Hi, it's really great to have you with us. I'm Rob Porter. My wife Heather and I have the amazing privilege of being the senior pastors at Kingdom Culture Church in Burpengary, Queensland. We have an incredible preaching team and I hope that this message will encourage and bless you as you listen. about to share, um, I'm going to need tissues up here, by the way. (laughs) What I'm about to share is something that, um, thank you guys, you can go, thank you. God is doing very fresh in my heart. And normally I like to preach from hindsight or share from hindsight, but I know that this is something that I'm meant to bring today. If you love titles... The title of this moment today is A Revival of First Love. I want you to turn with me in your Bibles or it's going to come up on the screen to Revelation chapter 2, verses 1 to 7. To the angel of the church in Ephesus write, the words of him who holds the seven stars in his right hand, who walks among the seven golden lampstands. I know your works, your toil, your patient endurance, how you cannot bear with those who are evil, but have tested those who call themselves apostles and are not and found them to be false. I I know you are enduring patiently and bearing up for my name's sake and you have not grown weary. But I have this against you. You have abandoned the love you had at first. Remember therefore from where you have fallen, repent and do the works you did at first. If not, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent. Verse 7. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. If Jesus wrote a letter to Kingdom Culture Church today, what do you think he would say? If Jesus delivered a letter via a prophet to Kingdom Culture Church today, What do you think he would say? This passage that we've just read together is a letter that Jesus wrote to the seven most prominent churches of the day through John. John was having a vision. Chapter 1 tells us that he was in the spirit on the Lord's day when Jesus appeared to John in such a form that made John fall down like he was dead. If you think about John and his relationship with Jesus... John was the disciple whom Jesus loved. He was the one who used to recline on Jesus' chest, listen to his heartbeat. He would have looked up and known his face, would have known him so well. And yet risen Christ comes in such a form in this encounter, the word describes he has hair white like wool, eyes of fire, feet like burnished bronze, a face so radiant, shining with God's glory that John falls down like he's dead. And it's in this encounter that John hears a voice behind him like a trumpet saying, I need you to write this down and send this to the seven churches. The first church that Jesus tells John to dictate the letter to is the church in Ephesus. Now, I know you've been in a series on Acts. Brilliant, I've been listening. And I know that you know part of the history of the church in Ephesus In Acts 19 and 20, we know that Paul established the church in Ephesus. He stayed there for three years to establish the church. 
we also know that there was somewhat of a messy revival happening in the city of Ephesus. Ephesus was a very significant city in the culture of the day. It was the main trading port where the ships would come in and out. It was an economic centre. It was also a cultural centre. They had a large amphitheatre that seated about 20 to 25,000 people where they would watch theatre, plays, sporting events. It's that very amphitheatre where Paul first stood his feet, proclaimed the gospel to the people in Ephesus. We also know that there was a very large and impressive temple there to the goddess of Artemis. She was the goddess of the moon and of hunting. People came from all over to worship her. And there was a riot in the city because the idol makers were going out of business because so many people were getting saved. Revival is messy. There was also a group burning ceremony in the centre of the city because so many people were getting saved out of the occult. That's a good day when people are coming from darkness to light. So many of them were getting saved that they were bringing their books that were filled with their spells and all the, the things that they do that I don't want to know about. And they brought them to the city centre and they had a group burning ceremony because they were so in love with Jesus. And historians tell us that the value of this pile of books that was burned was about six million US dollars. So what they had spent their money on, they now burned out of love for Jesus. John had a special relationship with the church in Ephesus. For years, he was the bishop of the church there. And if you think about church culture and life, any church reflects the, the strengths of its leader. Now, if we think about the big idea of John's life in the Gospel of John, in 1, 2, and 3 John, what would it be? It would be love. And so it's to this disciple that Jesus loved, whose main theme when he led the church and of his life was love, that Jesus chose to dictate this message to, hey, John, I need you to write to your church, my church, the church that loved me so much, but whose love has now grown cold. And so you can imagine that as John heard about this church first, that his heart would have beat a little bit faster. And our passage that we've read together begins with Jesus commending the church in Ephesus for their deeds and their theology. But apparently, God wants our hearts more than he wants our works. You know, everything that Jesus said through John about their deeds was good. He lists them out. They're working, they're toiling, they're patiently enduring, they're bearing up and they're not growing weary. You know, during COVID, I was like, that's the goal. Just that I bear up and that I don't grow weary. <laughs> and Jesus is like, tick, 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 all good. And often we see that as a sign of spiritual maturity, and it is. But apparently it's not what Jesus was after. Everything about their theology, Jesus commends too. They were recognising the difference between good and evil. They were testing apostles. They were refusing liars from coming into the community. Jesus again says, good, good work, but... You lack one thing. Your fervour has faded and you're going through the motions. They were doing a lot right. And yet verse 4 says, you have abandoned the love you had at first. I don't know about you, but have you noticed you can, in all the externals, be doing a lot right? You can be doing all the things, serving on worship, know when to full YMCA, when to pat a cake and when to go halfway. You know when to kneel, 
You know how to do all the things. But there's only two people who know when your heart's shifted. And often we're the slow one to the uptake. Often we don't realise when it's shifted, when we've fallen away from our first love. And that's why we need the work of the Holy Spirit. In verse 4, where it says, you have abandoned the love you had at first, that word abandoned there means let go or cancel, dismiss or quit. In the legal sense, in the original language, it literally means to divorce. So what Jesus, the bridegroom, was saying to his bride, the bride who used to love him the most, known for their love, you have divorced me in your heart and I want my bride back. It's interesting if you follow with me in your Bible, verse 2, he says, I know your works. Keep your finger on verse 2, then look at 4 with me. But I have this against you. You have abandoned the love you had at first. Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen, repent and do the works you did at first. What I want us to notice here is that when we skim this passage, we could think that Jesus has a problem with works. But the works in and of themselves aren't the issue. It's the motivating force behind why we do the works. Jesus is saying, why are you doing all the things? And I want to ask you today, why are you doing all the things? I don't know if you've noticed this, but intimacy takes work. The longer you've been married, the louder you should be shouting at me right now. Intimacy takes work. The longer you've been saved, intimacy takes work. Once the honeymoon period is over in your marriage and your relationship with Jesus, intimacy takes work. And Jesus is contrasting here the works of intimacy and the works of ministry. God's intention is that the works of ministry only ever flow from the work of intimacy. And when we get it the other way around, we've fallen away from our first love, but it's subtle and it's insidious. And so we need to invite the searching of the Holy Spirit. This is when duty takes over from delight. It's when we get to this place of, I have to get there early for worship rehearsal instead of, I can't believe I get to get there early for worship rehearsal and lead people into the presence of God. It's when pure devotion becomes going through the motions. You know, going through the motions is not uncommon. I want to speak to the season we're in as a nation and a society right now. Do you know that within Australia, over 90% of us are suffering with an undiagnosed condition? Seriously, social researchers and psychologists tell us this. We have what's called crisis fatigue. What's crisis fatigue? It's when you hear about so many catastrophic events that you numb your emotions to cope with the bigness of what's going on. So if you think about Australia, we've had COVID for two years. We've had fires. We've had floods. Melbourne, we had an earthquake. It was so crazy. I had literally just sung, this is a great southland of the Holy Spirit. Not kidding. And I was like, Jesus is coming back. It's a lot to go through, isn't it? That's not even considering what people have been through personally. There will be people in this room who lost your job throughout COVID, people who couldn't travel to see family, 
people who had to do pregnancy alone, didn't have that normal experience, people who lost babies alone. We've been through a lot. And so what happens is our brain numbs the stress and the grief so that we don't feel the fullness of the pain. The problem with that is psychologists tell us we can't selectively numb emotions. All our emotions are housed in the, one, the same little spot in our brain. So when we numb our ability to experience stress and pain and grief, we actually numb our ability to experience joy, connection with the community, and actually our ability to stay soft before the Lord. Our ability to have intimacy, the works of intimacy with Jesus. So if you're here today and you're like, it doesn't feel the same to me when I spend time with Jesus. It doesn't feel the same when I'm in worship. You're not alone. And today those walls are coming down in Jesus' name. You know, in Melbourne, we were the most locked down city in the world. And we did online recordings. I've got some friends here today who were part of that season with me. And we did that for nearly two years. And I've got to be honest with you that backing up every week to lead to an empty room wasn't easy. And this is what the Lord's been speaking to me about in the last few weeks. He brought me to this passage and he said, Stacey, you've been doing a lot for me but not with me. And he started to run me through these moments in my life where it looks like I'm doing all the right things. He showed me leading on this platform um, at our church to this empty room. And I'd sit in my car before I went in there. I'm a worker for Jesus. I can do this for Jesus. I can do this for my church. And then he showed me him on the side of the stage. And he was clapping and he was so proud of me. Yes, you're enduring. You're not growing weary. Yes, Stacey, I'm proud of you. But then I turned to him and I said, why are you over there? He said, you didn't invite me up on there with you. I'd become somewhat of a martyr for Jesus instead of a lover of Jesus. He then showed me my devotion time. 2019, I would lay on my face before God and just experience him. To this year... I see me sitting in my prayer chair, doing all the right things externally, surrounded by commentaries. I've got all the daily grace books. You better believe it. I've got all the devotionals. I've got the full Logos package. Filling my head with knowledge, emptying my heart of experience. He said, Stacey, you've fallen away from your first love. Then he showed me some moments in my childhood. I grew up in a Baptist church on the south side of Brisbane. I saw some adults getting baptised and went, I want to get baptised. I love Jesus. I want to identify with Jesus. So I went to my dad, who was the pastor. I said, Dad, I need to get baptised. He said, honey, you can't. That's illegal in the Baptist church. Illegal, yes. (laughs) Because you're only 11. I said, well, I need you to ring the Baptist Union or I'll write a letter and you need to get this changed. Because I can have Jesus, just like any grown-up. So actually, we did have that changed. So if you're in this room and you're a Baptist and you got baptised at 11, you're welcome. (laughs) And then as we prepared for the baptism, I said to Dad, I want to share my testimony. And he was like, I think you're a bit young for that. I said, Dad, does Jesus work in my life? Not matter as much as it does 
in an adult's life. There's no junior Holy Spirit. I didn't say that to him then, but, you know. (laughs) And so he said, okay. And I got up and I shared my testimony and I wept because of the reality that Jesus loved me. And I loved him. And the Lord said, where's that little girl gone? Who can sing about the love of Jesus every week and not feel it, know it, but not feel it. I'd fallen from my first love. And one of the greatest obstacles to a revival of first love is numbness of heart or apathy. And this is why I believed we're, believe we are primed as a nation for the end times outpouring of the great Southland of the Holy Spirit because God's about to awaken hearts. Revival requires appetite and hunger or we simply won't be able to pay the price to see revival come. And revival of the heart requires, this passage teaches us, remembrance and repentance. I've just attempted to model to you remembering my first love and repenting of how far I have fallen. Verse 5 says, remember from where you have fallen, repent and do the works you did at first. The way this language is constructed, the way Jesus said this to John, was keep on remembering. Keep on thinking about. Never forget your first love. It's not a one-time thing. It's like a daily, moment by moment, keep on remembering your first love. And remember, this was written to people who by all external measures were doing all the right things. What's epic about the language Jesus uses here is this word fallen has a dual meaning. The first meaning is to collapse or to falter, to fall to destruction. In other words, if we don't remember our first love, we will fall to destruction. But the second meaning means to collapse into worship. In other words, when we remember our first love, our natural response should be to fall on our face in intimate worship. So we either fall to our destruction or we fall down in worship and reverence of our first love. And these were the same people who were so passionate that they burned those books out of love for Jesus. The Apostle Paul said in Ephesians 2 to this same people, remember that at one time you were Gentiles in the flesh. Remember you were separated from Christ, but now you have been brought near by the blood of Jesus Christ. We say that, we sing that all the time, but Kingdom Culture Church, you have been brought near by the blood of Christ. You were once separated, not holy enough, not worthy enough to come into the Holy of Holies. But through the work of Jesus Christ, that separation, payment has been made for it. And now we get to come face to face into worship with Jesus. You know, there's this thing when you study theology, they call it the lullaby effect, that you hear something so many times that you almost become numb to it. We can't afford to become numb to the fact that we've been brought close by the blood of Jesus Christ. I mean, do you remember what it was like when you first fell in love with Jesus? Allow yourself to go there. What it was like when you first knew that you knew that you were loved by a God 
so big that He could speak the universe into being and so personal that He could come and grip your heart. The thing is, when you are falling in love, you will reorganise everything. I want to talk about my first date with my husband for a moment. He's not here. I get creative licence. We met on the south side of Brisbane at a basketball game. He was um, coaching my little sister's City Point basketball team. And um, my mum and dad weren't feeling well, so they said, oh, can you take your sister to basketball? Had a terrible attitude until I walked into Karina Stadium, saw Jai Hillier and went, I'll take her every week. (laughs) It took him six months to talk to me. He sent his brother in for recon, his brother Bo. He came in and talked to me first. I was like, well, this is great, but when's your actual brother going to talk to me? And he stalked me. And this is before social media, so I mean, like, proper stalked me. (laughs) And then after six months, he finally called me. And this is the days of landline, so the whole family knew he'd called and finally called. And everyone was so excited. And he says, hey, you know, Stacey, my name's Giant. I'm like, "Uh (laughs) uh-huh. He's like, I was just wondering if you would have time to ever go out with me. I played it cool. I was like, oh, let me check. I was like, yeah, I'd love to. He said, cool, pick you up in 15 minutes and hung up. I didn't see that coming. Took him six months to talk to me. I thought our date might be in two years. But 15 minutes later, I mean, would you have been disturbed? How does he know where I live? (laughs) How is he getting from Wishart to Callumvale in 15 minutes? Probably waiting at the end of the street. (laughs) Now, did I have netball practice? Did I have uni work? Did I have worship team practice? Yes. Did I rearrange everything? Yes. Because when you're falling in love, you'll rearrange everything. So I want to ask you today, are you rearranging everything for your time with Jesus or are you asking him to follow along in your busy and important life? Revival hearts actually turn away from things that dull our appetite for his word and worship. Things that steal our time from prayer. And where there is revival, there is always repentance. The awesome thing is that Romans 2 tells us that it's his kindness that leads to repentance. It's not the smacking of a leader or a preacher. It's not whipping us up into a frenzy in worship. It's God's kindness that reaches down to us where we've fallen and pulls us back up into intimate relationship with him. You know, one of my favourite things to do, we go up to the Sunshine Coast every year and um, I love to go out past the waves, lay on my back and just allow myself to drift with the current. And oftentimes we preach that illustration like that's what it's like if you fall away from your first love, that you drift with the current. You don't realise how far you've moved down the beach. Well, this last April, um, my two middle boys were swimming out in the ocean And, I mean, they've been going to the beach their whole lives, but within 30 seconds, a rip came and took them very quickly. And a lifeguard had to rescue um, my third son, and it, it was very, very scary. Can I just tell you that in 2022, we're not talking about a gentle current. We're talking about a quick, fast rip that will pull you away from Jesus quickly. And so we have to constantly be remembering our first love, asking the Holy Spirit, am I still doing all the right things? My theology's all good, but I've fallen away from my first love. You see, when he's our first thought, our first priority, 
our first inclination. When we turn away from lesser things for the one thing, we've discovered what revival really looks like. And when we return to our first love, our hearts are rekindled with the Holy Spirit's flame. You know, Israel was often symbolised in the Old Testament prophecies as a lampstand. And this is because God's intention was always that his people would be a light to the nations. And in the New Testament, that commission was actually handed to the church. We as the church, God's people, are meant to be a light to the nations. What good is a lamp on a lampstand if it has no light? What good is a believer in a dark world if we have no light? What good is a believer who's fallen away from their first love and their flame is diminished? What good is a church that doesn't chase after their first love in a world that needs to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ? We know that it's the Holy Spirit that lights the flame. Aren't you so glad that it's not by might, not by power, but it's by the Spirit of the Lord, Zechariah prophesied? And when we put ourselves in the wind of the Holy Spirit, He breathes on the coals of our heart. And he reignites that flame. Matthew 5, 14, Jesus says, You are the light of the world. Let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. You know, I once heard it said that if you follow the trail of your time, your money, your thoughts and your energy, it will lead you to what is truly your first love. So I want to drop some quick ways that I've discovered to know how I've abandoned my first love. Some things that the Holy Spirit has been personally pressing on in me in the last few weeks. Are you ready? Your head knowledge outgrows your heart experience. You know more about Jesus than you know him. We get more excited about the call than the caller. We get more excited about operating in my spiritual gifts than the gift giver. We take a Judas posture in worship when we used to be Mary. Worse still, we're the Judas at the side of the room looking at the Mary saying, wasteful, an embarrassment. We become more focused on the appearance of our lamp than the intensity of our flame. Does everything look right? We talk more at Jesus than we listen to Him. We impose our will onto Him in prayer rather than listening to what His will is and then partnering with Him to see His kingdom come, His will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I have been in so many Pentecostal prayer meetings, not at this church, where I hear a whole lot of shunderbarring and yelling at God and I leave and I feel like I need a shower because there's a whole bunch of powerful, fired up believers trying to impose what they think things should look like on the Father. When it's our job to listen to what He wants things to look like first and then to use our mouth to declare and partner with Him His will to come on earth. I'd fallen into that. 
Jesus, this is what your best is for my kid. Jesus, this is what your best is for my world. I was talking at Jesus more than I was listening to him. What about our sensitivity to sin decreases? We start to go places we wouldn't have gone. We start to listen to things we wouldn't have listened to. Things start to drop out of our mouth that grieve the Holy Spirit. We start to go places we wouldn't have gone. We start to binge The Bachelor. Yes, I said it. When once we would have hidden away in the secret place with God and seen that for what it is. (laughs) Our sensitivity to sin decreases and this is why the world is the way it is. Because the church has gone, oh, we we don't want to be seen as unloving, so we'll tolerate your sin. You can love and call out sin. Jesus at the well with the woman in John 4, he exposed everything in her life. And he did it in such a way, so drenched in love, that she ran to tell everybody, you've got to meet this man who just told me everything I've ever done. When we don't speak the truth, it's because we know we're not grounded in His love. How do you get grounded in His love? The secret place where we receive the height, the depth, the breadth of His love. And then we're confident. I can speak what my God's truth is because I know I'm saying it out of love. Our sensitivity to sin decreases. Church, we've got to get back to holiness. This is not in my notes. You can be as holy as you want to be. If you're not holy enough, you don't want to be. You have the Holy Spirit. His primary role is to lead you to holiness. You can be as holy as you want to be. I tell you how you get there. Step by step behind the Holy Spirit, Galatians 5, that word play is literally on your leader's shoulder, spinning when he spins, leaping when he leaps, stopping when he stops, running when he runs. And yet often we're running in the exact opposite direction and then going, why is there no anointing on my life? That was free. The things that were once all about serving Jesus out of love get twisted and they become all about serving me. How did worship serve me today? How did the Word please me today? How did the temperature in the room at church please me today? When it's all meant to be about ministering to God. How many times do you leave church and the conversation in the car is, do we bless God with our worship today? Not, oh, we sang that stupid song again. The things that He gave us to minister to Him become all about us when we fall away from our first love. Do you know that the church in Ephesus was a lampstand church? It was the original mega church. Like before there was Hillsong, there was the church in Ephesus. And Jesus said to them, if you do not return to intimacy as your first priority, verse 5, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place. What he was essentially saying was, I will unchurch the church. There are a lot of churches who have been unchurched. What do I mean by that? Jesus said, By this all men will know that you are my disciples, by your love one for another. 
if we do not have love for one another and for God, if we have no light in our lamp, we are by definition not a church. We're a club. And you can join a lot of clubs where you don't have to give 10%. We're a church. We're the church of Jesus Christ. And people are meant to know us by our love for God, our love for one another, and that our flame is burning brightly. Do you know that just 10 years, 10 years after this prophetic message was delivered by Jesus to John and to the church, you cannot find a trace of the church in Ephesus. They did not remember. They did not repent. They did not return. They did not allow the Holy Spirit to rekindle their flame. And so He removed them. I don't want to preach a gospel of fear today. I'm not about that. But the Bible actually says, Jesus says, that if we do not return to our first love, we can no longer have standing as a church. And I believe that this is a message for the global church right now. It is a season for our hearts to be reawakened, to come out of their apathy. Even if you think you're doing all the things I wanna ask you today, please, could you just ask the Holy Spirit, have I fallen from my first love? Because when He spoke to me and He started to show me those things, I was like, God, they're not big sins. He said, Stacy, it's the big one to me. church is all up and doing a big song and dance about the biggest sin right now. This is the big one to Jesus. This is the one He can't work through us. If we're not first and foremost in love with Him, from that place, everything else takes care of itself. When we're passionately in love with Jesus, He burns away the chaff. He refines us till no sin remains until we're more and more like Jesus every day and less and less like us. Step back, old Stacy. Step forward, spirit-filled Stacy. So I want to ask you today, where are you at in your first love? Even if you got here early and you served. Even if you went all out in worship, could you just take a moment? Holy Spirit, where am I at in my first love? Every eye closed. Open your heart right now. Holy Spirit, where are we at with our first love? While you've got your eyes closed, I wanna share with you that Jesus came to me in one of our revival nights. And he said to me, Stacy, I want my church back. I want my bride's heart back. Holy Spirit, we're your bride. We come before you. Take us back to our first love. Remind us of the things we did at first. Show us how far we have fallen. We invite the dealings and the workings of Your Holy Spirit. We trust You. We are not afraid. Show us those moments where we've done all the things on the outside that You're pleased with. But show us the one thing that matters most. Where are we at with our first love?
what I'm going to do is I am going to kneel and I'm going to repent and you're not responding to me. But if you would like to come and join me, come and fill this altar space even where you are and we're going to kneel and I'm going to lead us in prayer. And I believe that the Holy Spirit is going to come and He is going to blow and move powerfully in this room and rekindle the flames of our heart. He is going to awaken apathetic and numb hearts. So Jesus, great lover of my soul, we come before You now, Your bride, Your church. Examine our hearts. Where have we fallen from our first love? Remind us of the things we did at first. We repent. We, we say we are sorry for where we have gone through the motions, where we have allowed our hearts to become apathetic to the greatest story, the greatest reality of all time that You came that You made a way for us to come close. We were separated by sin, but now we have been brought close by the precious blood of Jesus Christ. We are not our own. We were bought with price. We behold the price right now. We are returning. We're coming back. We're coming back. We're coming back. We're coming back. Holy Spirit, come and rekindle the flame in our hearts. Awaken your church, awaken your bride. For there is a world that needs our flame. Come and awaken your church. Thanks so much for taking the time to listen to today's message. Our hope is that you have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. If not, we'd like to invite you to begin your journey with Him today. When we read Scripture, we see that sin separates us from God, but that our relationship with God is restored by salvation through Jesus Christ. This happens because God gave Jesus His Son to die in our place, to deal with the sin problem, and He rose again so that we can have eternal life with Him. If we believe in our hearts and confess with our mouths that Jesus is Lord, we can know salvation today. If you're ready to do that and turn from a life of sin, then pray this prayer with me. Dear Lord Jesus, I know that I am a sinner and I ask for your forgiveness. I believe you died for my sins and rose from the dead. I turn from my sins and invite you to come into my heart and life. I want to trust and follow you as my Lord and Saviour. Amen. If you've prayed this prayer for the first time today, we would love to know and reach out to you and support you. So please contact us at hello at kingdomculturechurch.com.au.